Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is October 5th, 2020, and here with me, of course, is my friend who's as good as gold, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Jen, happy golden podiversary. <laughs> yes, this is our 50th episode. Which is sort of stunning. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah, week in, week out of 50. I know. Which is, of course, very synchronistic because you just had a very particular milestone birthday as well. Indeed, it's true. Yeah. A five might have been in the number that I turned. It so. might have been. <laughs> I'm neither confirming nor denying that. So gold all the way around. It's fantastic. Everybody's gold here. Yeah. Oh, it's just been wonderful doing these with you. It really has. I enjoy it every week. It is a high point of my week every Aww, week. That is very sweet. And I could not agree more. And of course, it hadn't been exactly 50 weeks because some of those numbers were in the pot thumb when we were going at right. full tilt boogie there with that. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, wow, 50. It seems like a lot. Yeah, what are you supposed to give people as a wedding anniversary gift when they've been married 50 years? Is it gold? Well, gold is the color. Yeah. So anything with gold, I guess. <laughs> I have no gold to give you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I give you virtual gold, my friend. Oh, you too, April. Yes. My podcasting friend for this mm -hmm. 50th episode. Yeah. And I really have loved doing these with you. It's a treat. It's ever been as good as we imagined it was going to be when we had this wild hair. And it's so much fun. Yeah. It's really a golden part of my week, so thank you. <laughs> Ditto. What else is going on over there? Well, I'm watching a great TV show that I think we should pull in imaginary sponsor, Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome, imaginary sponsor. New imaginary sponsor, <laughs> Apple TV+. Plus. Excellent. Yes, we like them very much. Joni and I are watching Ted Lasso. You've told us about it. As you know, we blazed through the entire season in two days. It's such a great show. It is such a good show. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's funny. It's heartwarming. It restores your faith in human nature. Yeah. It makes me feel better about the world. Yeah, me too. It's got, what is that guy's name? Jason something. Jason Sudeikis is the lead. He's wonderful in the show. And I mean, the basic premise, which would never have lured me into watching the show had you not recommended it, is that this football coach from the United States is invited to come over and coach a soccer team in London. Or as they call it, football. Football, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Yeah. But it's also that just the character is a really lovely character. He's very um, relentlessly positive. Yeah, very upbeat. Takes nothing personally and manages to win people over by sheer dint of his warm and engaging personality. And I'm eating it up with a spoon. I really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It's great. And really, April, it all comes back to our first episode, because didn't we talk about TV on our first episode? Oh, we're always talking about TV. Maybe it was The Crown. Oh, probably The Crown. And here we are on our 50th episode, still talking <laughs> about TV. So, it's called you know. consistency. <laughs> we're very consistent. And that is the road to success. So, yes, we do love our TV shows. And we have learned to heed your recommendations, because they're always very good. Oh, well, thank you. We do have similar taste. We do. And mm -hmm. we spent a very enjoyable weekend immersed in the world of Ted Lasso, which is a great name, too. There could be worse things that you'd spend your weekend doing. Absolutely. 
Well, what do you think? Should we take a look at this week? I think we should. Let's kick it off. What do we have, April? Well, Mercury, which is now in Scorpio, is opposing Uranus on October 7th at 1.54 p.m. Pacific time. We talked quite a bit about Mercury going into Scorpio, I believe, on our last episode. Did we not? We did. I seem to recall a cartoon character on your episode artwork that week. Mercury goes sleuthing and... Yes, our sleuthing Mercury in Scorpio, for sure. Yeah. That sleuthing Mercury in Scorpio comes up against an opposition to Uranus. The Sabian symbols are really nice, actually. Uh, Mercury is on Sabian symbol 8 Scorpio, the moon shining across a lake. That is lovely. It is. And the Sabian symbol for 8 Taurus, where Uranus is, is a sleigh without snow. Hmm. What do you make of that? I don't know. That's an intriguing one. A sleigh without snow, it speaks of something that is maybe beautiful and useful, but cannot be used in its current environment. Something's missing. Yeah, something's missing. The general idea of Mercury in opposition to Uranus, to me, is just a change in perspective and thinking in an innovative way and also unexpected information or details or facts that come our way. Mercury and Scorpio. Scorpio remembers a fixed sign. It has a very set point of view about things. So coming up against Uranus, which likes to surprise us, it makes for a pretty interesting combination this week. Surprising news, maybe? Yeah, I think so. And just seeing things in a new way. I think I always think of an opposition as giving us perspective. Something can just be a little bit off, a little bit different, and it changes our whole view of things. I like it, actually. Anytime Mercury and Uranus come together, I find it a really fresh and invigorating combination in the way we look at things. I like it, too. Yeah. This is part of a Mercury-Uranus cycle that began on April 30th with a conjunction in Taurus. And there was a square on August 10th at 10 degrees, 40 minutes of Leo. This is now the opposition point in this cycle. So if you want to go back to those dates... You know, these Mercury transits are pretty fast. They can be triggers for larger planetary combinations, but in and of themselves, they don't tend to really change the course of, you know, human affairs in any great way. Right. But if you happen to have something around April 30th or August 10th that had to do with maybe something you read or something you saw or something you were writing or creating or something... This would be a time of getting a little more perspective. If you were a painter, you would be standing back and looking at what you're creating to see what needs to be fine-tuned a little bit. A little distance there. Mm-hmm. And then on October 9th at 6.19 a.m., we have the second of three squares between Mars and Pluto. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. We talked about the first one, didn't we? We talked about that back in what episode was that? Episode 38. Taurus, last quarter moon. But wait, there's some more. Some more, yes. <laughs> mm. Delicious snack food. Yeah, it still felt so summery then. <laughs> now we're just really deep into fall. Some mores were very much on our mind. I know. Yeah, Mars square Pluto is a pretty ferocious combination. It's, you know, fighting for power and control, really. And Mars is the fighter, always. And, uh, Pluto is very much about power and control. So when the two of them come together, especially in an aspect like a square, which just will not be ignored or denied, we know that we're looking at a little bit of a feisty week. And I think particularly for Mars-ruled people, so people with a lot of planets in Aries or Scorpio, 
people with Mars or Pluto very close to one of the angles of the chart, the first, fourth, seventh, and tenth house cusps. This is a pretty pivotal week, especially for those people, I think. Okay. I noticed that Mars will be actually passing over that sensitive point that Saturn and Pluto met up at in January, just the day before, and will be squaring that point. Do you think stuff from January is going to be connected to that because of that connection? Yeah, I think it definitely, because we had the Mars square to Saturn last week. Yeah. And Saturn and Pluto are still traveling fairly close together in the sky, so Mars will activate them in turn. So we had Saturn last week, and this week we have Pluto. So it's kind of a one-two punch. Right. And of course, it all goes back to that huge conjunction between Saturn and Pluto that happened in January and has really set the tone for the whole year so far Yeah. Uh-huh. of how we're going to break down and build up old forms, basically. So Mars getting in the middle of that in Aries just kind of says we're at a pivotal moment in that particular cycle and that there is some frustration involved. You know, Capricorn is so entrenched in old forms, in old ways of doing things and looking at things, which is another reason that Mercury-Uranus opposition this week is so refreshing. But Mars and Aries also is you know, just wants to break that stuff up, just wants to make things happen, wants to move ahead. But it's retrograde right now, so Mm -hmm. it's frustrated. And then it comes up against Saturn and Pluto, and it feels right now a little bit like it's just hard to make progress with much of anything if you're in too much of a hurry. And of course, Aries is always in a hurry. So to make progress, I think, this week with Mars square Pluto means to accept the limits of our personal power and control and to some extent understand that this is a time that in the long run we can make progress, but it means that right now we have to back off a little bit Yeah. Okay. and not push quite so hard. But it's really hard to contain yourself with this combination. Yeah, a lot of people have certainly found it to be a frustrating year since January. And so much has happened in so many different areas of our life, Mm -hmm. worldwide, it seems. Yeah, it's not just here. Yeah. And the last square in this whole little sequence will happen on December 23rd, just before Christmas. And I think, well, it's not too long after an eclipse that we have, I think on December 14th. Oh, wow. Okay. And as we've said before, the first square is always the hardest one, and that's the one that we had in August. The second one, you're a little bit more on top of what the planetary combination wants from you. And then by the time you get to the last one, you've built up some muscle. You've learned how to respond in a positive way to the aspect. Yeah. And this would also be related to the Mars-Pluto conjunction from March 22nd or 23rd, depending on where you live in the world. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of echoes from the past coming up this week. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, because I completely blanked on that. But no, that's it's... where all these patterns begin, is with the conjunction. Right. So here we are. Here we are. And I will link also episode 17, Saturn and Aquarius, all in this together. And that is when we spoke first about this conjunction between Mars and Pluto. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Yep, it does. Oh. Yeah. Jen, do you know what time it is? <gasps> I have no idea what time it is, April. What time is it? Moonwatch. Moonwatch. (laughs) Play it. 
you've gotten so moony and melancholy with your your Moonwatch warblings. Is it too much? No, I like it. It's very evocative. (laughs) What's the mood? Excellent. Well, this week's Moonwatch brings us to a last quarter moon at 17 degrees and 10 minutes of Cancer, also on October 9th at 5.39 p.m. Pacific Time. And this builds up an extremely dynamic grand cross configuration in the sky. Ooh, that sounds intense too. It does. What we have is Sun in Libra, which is opposed Mars in Aries. And both of them are square the Moon in Cancer, which is opposed Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto. Basically, what we have is the Sun, Moon, Mars, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn all in a configuration with each other. Nearly every planet in square is what you're saying. (laughs) It's a big old knot. Not everyone, but nearly everyone. (laughs) Nearly everybody that counts this week. Well, break that down for us, April. What does that mean when we have a Cardinal Grand Cross? Well, the vision that I get of any Grand Cross is being on, you know, one of those circus wheels where Mm. you're kind of tied to the wheel and then they spin you around and people throw throw knives knives at at you. And and the reason that works for me is just if you grab any one of these planets, it spins a whole wheel and it, it sets off a chain reaction of planets. It's like one planet cannot get pushed. You remember we talked about the T-square and we yes. talked about the guy with the barbell, yeah. you know, on either end of the barbell and he's in the middle of it. And if somebody shoves him from behind, then both parts of the barbell get moved. Right. And it's the same thing, but more so with Grand Cross. There was no missing link. There was no missing uh, leg of the table, which we often talk about. All of the cardinal points are represented by a planet. And it just means that things that are set in motion will keep going and get, getting faster and faster. That's the particular energy of cardinal is fast motion. This will be a time when we will tend to ignore the advice of Mars square Pluto, which says, be careful how hard you push. You know, it could be counterproductive to do that at this time. And the thing that happens with the Grand Cross, it's like we almost can't help ourselves. If we try to get in the place of doing the moon in Cancer, right? Okay. I'm going to stay home with my family and my cats and be comfortable and be happy and all of that. Well, that immediately triggers the sun in Libra, which says, well, what about the rest of the world? You know, and you should be getting outside your little family unit and being together with more people, which in turn triggers the Mars in Aries, which is about, yeah, it's great to be part of a family, but what about you and your own needs? And then all of that falls out into all the Capricorn planets, which say, but what about your obligations, your responsibilities outside of your family? outside your primary relationship, outside your own responsibilities to yourself. And it just goes, everything is moving together faster and faster. Just when you start to feel as if you're getting a foothold in one of these areas of your life, you're propelled onto the next one. And you're going in this circle and the circle spinning round and round very quickly. So the magic question is, how do you work through energy like that? Yeah, it's a good question. What would you advise? (laughs) Well, the vision that I got, and I don't advise this, but I pictured, you know, if somebody, I mean, there was always like one awful kid when you were growing up and everybody was riding their bikes who thought it was really funny to like poke a stick or something in the spokes of somebody's wheel. (laughs) Oh, boy. And that will really slow down a wheel if you do something like that. But the way it was taught to me is you find planets that are in supportive relationships with the planets that are in the Grand Cross. All right. So, for instance, 
Neptune is a helpful influence to Saturn and Jupiter and Pluto in Capricorn. It's also trying the moon. Okay. So getting into a little Neptune activity, doing dancing and music and losing yourself in TV or reading a really good book or just getting some naps, taking a bubble bath. Any kind of Neptune things you can think of are really helpful for this one. Any kind of healthy Neptune things you can think of. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And Venus is in Virgo. And that is in a nice relationship to the moon. And at least by element, it's kind of compatible with the Capricorn stuff, but it's not really aspecting it. So as your mother would say, clean one drawer. Clean one drawer. Yeah, just get centered (laughs) that way. Get into the minutia of daily life that you can control and get into that to slow things down a little bit. Perhaps Mercury in Scorpio too, which is trying Neptune and trying the moon here. So I think all those planets that are not involved in the Grand Cross can be very helpful this week in slowing down that wheel a little bit, because that's what you want to do. How's that sound? It sounds challenging, but that seems like some good concrete information about how to be helpful during this difficult time. Yeah, be Neptune, be Venus, be Mercury. Meditate. Watch Ted Lasso. Oh, man, totally watch Ted Lasso. (laughs) Watch anything with Ted in the title, because I was telling you about Better Off Ted, too. Which I've never seen. Which we've also mentioned in an episode of this fine program, Mm -hmm. and it's on Hulu. So anything with Ted in it seems to be a good bet (laughs) for us TV viewers. So this last quarter moon is the closing quarter in a lunar phase family that began with a new moon on July 12th, 2018, which was a solar eclipse at 20 degrees, 41 minutes of Cancer. So even if we didn't know about all of this cardinal cross stuff in this chart, we would know that it has a legacy this last quarter of having its genesis in a solar eclipse. So that brings emphasis to the whole lunation this month. Mm -hmm. And if you have anything in your chart, especially between about 16 or 17 and say 24 or 25 of a cardinal sign, it is really getting a lot of energy from this last quarter moon. Okay. And the first quarter in this phase, family, was April 12th of 2019, and then the full moon was January 10th, 2020, which was a lunar eclipse. We've been stepping through some eclipse energy around these particular points of the zodiac, and this last quarter moon brings something of this cycle to fruition, I think, where we go back and we look at where we have been, what we've been doing since that solar eclipse in July of 2018, and look at that house of your chart where that degree falls. And we will link in the show notes to my blog post that also has a little video and you can see how to find where these things fall in your chart. So that will hopefully be helpful. Yeah. All right. The next thing on the show sheet is Venus trining Uranus on October 10th at nine degrees, 30 minutes of Virgo and Taurus. What should we be aware of with this energy, April? Well, we had a Venus square Uranus pretty recent was around mid-August, August 16th. I want to know we talked at that time about sudden changes in relationship, disruptions in your financial picture. It seems like we were just talking about this. Yeah. And it was six weeks ago. I know. And we've had between the two of us, we've had two major appliance failures and (laughs) I've had a computer situation and all of these, you know, stereotypically Uranian things. That's true. Yes. Venus trying Uranus, I like because it could talk about unexpected windfalls Hmm. or unexpected support from people. That sounds a lot lovelier. 
and much nicer. It's like developments in money or relationship, but of a somewhat more exciting and positive nature instead of really disruptive. I remember the time writing something like, well, Venus square Uranus can definitely take money away, but it can also bring you windfalls. I remember you saying that. Yeah. All I could see at the time was, you know, all this money going towards a new refrigerator. But now I'm hoping for the unexpected windfalls part of this planetary combination. Let's welcome that with open arms. We do. We do. Venus is, you know, about our financial picture, about relationships with our friends, our partners, everybody. It's about commerce generally, you know, if you're particularly in a kind of work like I am where you're doing consulting. So a trine is an easy aspect and Uranus just brings something new, different, possibly even revolutionary to the picture. That's great. I think we could use some of that. Oh, definitely. Or try eating at a new restaurant or getting a really crazy throw pillow. I don't know. Something <laughs> that's not real high risk, but it brings an unusual element. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Toby right now is so in love with this shocking green silk throw that I had. And, and it's mangled. It's been through all kinds of difficult things. Toby is April's cat, everyone, if anyone doesn't know that. Well, that's my tiny, tiny kitten. He's in love with this thing. Okay. And he is carrying it all over the house, Aww, like his security cute. blanket. But what I love about that is that, I mean... It's shocking green. It couldn't look more Uranian. Oh. And you're just constantly seeing this shock of green throughout the house, depending on where he's dragged it and abandoned it. Cats drag blankets? I didn't know that. I've never seen this before. Huh. Okay. And all my years as cat owner, he's surprising me. He's uraniating <laughs> me with this one. Yeah. So stinking cute. Yeah. He's got some ears, that one. He does. He is a very adorable kitten. He is quite delightful. He's cute. Yeah. Venus is still in Virgo. Uranus is in Taurus. That brings an earthy element to this. It seems to emphasize the financial picture a little bit more than relationships, although both are certainly possible. Sure. And a good time to try a new way of earning money, too. Something that you haven't tried before with Uranus. And Uranus might help you be creative. Absolutely. And think of things that are out of the box. Exactly. Give you a new way even of doing the things you used to do. Okay. So that was the lovely part of the podcast this week. That was the lovely aspect. That was the one good aspect, actually. You're quite right. I had noticed that because I was thinking if the Mercury opposed Uranus is actually being kind of positive as well. It's not terrible. Yeah. I think oppositions generally are easier than squares and conjunctions. Because conjunction, you, as I've said, you have no perspective. Yeah. A square, two unlike things are having to figure out how to make peace with each other and work together. But in opposition, you can kind of behold each other and we'll do it your way and now we'll do it my way and we'll go back and forth and finally reach some kind of detente. That's a good way to put it. This is the one nice trying aspect of the week, so let's enjoy it. Yeah. And what is the last thing on our show sheet, April? We have the sun in a closing square aspect to Jupiter on October 11th at 6.35 a.m. Pacific time at 18 degrees and 41 minutes of Libra and Capricorn, respectively. Okay. What caught my attention about this one is one of the Sabian symbols. The Sabian symbol for the sun is a gang of robbers in hiding. And it caught my attention because we didn't talk about it, but in the last quarter moon, the sun is on the Sabian symbol, two men placed under arrest. Oh. <laughs> so I would say obey huh. all speeding laws. Okay. I mean, in all honesty, there's something here about being caught out, I think. Not necessarily literally arrested, but 
If you have been living out of integrity with yourself, especially your ethics and your beliefs, which is Jupiter, then this would be a time of reckoning, a time of being called out on that and being called to account. Interesting, too, about the Mercury and Scorpio opposite Uranus, because there's something there about secrets being revealed, maybe, also? Could be with Mercury and Scorpio, sure. Mm -hmm. This Sun-Jupiter square has its origin in a conjunction between the Sun and Jupiter on December 27th, 2019, which was right after an eclipse and Christmas and all kinds of things. Right. I'm sure we talked about it in one of our very earliest episodes. It was episode five, Unboxing Eclipses. Of course, because we would have been talking about the eclipse. Yeah. Right. And then there was a square on April 15th between the two of them and an opposition on July 14th. So now we're at the closing square of this year-long cycle of the sun with Jupiter. The sun being about who we are trying to be, the Jupiter part being something about our highest aspirations for ourselves, our philosophy of life, our religion, holding ourselves accountable on those kinds of levels. And of course, there will be talk in the news, I'm sure, about the open seat on the Supreme Court. That's a Jupiterian thing and also a Libran thing. We should see some interesting developments with that, I should imagine, this week. Mercury squared Jupiter a few weeks ago. And now the sun is basically following behind Mercury in his footsteps. He'll move on to, you know, oppose Mars, square Pluto, square Saturn. Does the sun pick up on any of that Mercury energy from a few weeks ago, do you think? I think of Mercury as being the advanced agent, you know, Uh reconnoitering and making a lot of promises, which now the sun has to come along and fulfill. Interesting. Yeah. So think of it's a celebrity coming to town, which would be the sun. And Mercury has done the advance work and made a lot of promises to people. Oh, yeah, this celebrity will stand in line and sign books and get pictures with people and all this. And now the sun comes along and has to make good on all those promises. Some of them, of course, are promises we've made ourselves. Yeah. And it's sometimes we're a little ambitious in what we promise when Mercury is connecting with Jupiter. So now we have to decide the sun is much more of a, well, is that really what I want to do? Is that the core of who I am? Can I really back that up with heart and intention? Yeah. And Mercury, of course, will be going retrograde starting, I believe it's next week, covering some of that same territory, going back to 25 Libra and squaring Saturn again. And Pluto. Yeah, Pluto. Mm-hmm. Jupiter and the, the whole happy gang. So it's like he comes up, makes all the promises. Sun comes along and says, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can't. Mercury has to come back and soothe. Okay. <laughs> Say, okay, well, he can't actually sign all those autographs. but Or we have to come to a different understanding of things. Mm-hmm. You know, Mercury is the understanding planet. And he came along and aspected all these hard planets in Capricorn and had to come to some rationalization about how to deal with these major planetary forces. And now is going to go back with a little more experience, a little more information, check in with them again. And then he'll hit them all one more time on his way out of town, too. Yeah. You know? Okay. So it's it's going to be a lot of mercury. It's always a lot of mercury. So take care of yourselves this week. Yeah. I think that last quarter moon is really a humdinger with that grand cross. Yeah. And there are things that you're just going to be forced to deal with because it's the energy of squares. They make us work things out. 
but try to between the lines, as we said, kind of lean into that Neptune a little bit, lean into that Venus, look at ways where you can escape in healthy ways from some of the tension and some of the stress, and also put some energy into simplifying your life, which is the Venus in Virgo. Taking things off your plate, if you possibly can, looking at different ways of organizing your schedule, your home, all of that stuff. And maybe with Venus and Virgo, actually schedule time for breaks or self-care. Aren't you clever? Wouldn't Venus and Virgo like that, right? Very much so. Just schedule it and put it in your calendar. Get it in the calendar and it'll get done. Capricorn likes that as well. Okay, yeah. This is why Virgo and Capricorn like each other. So yeah, try to do that this week. Well, my friend, that is everything on our show sheet. Have we done it? We are 5050. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I think that's so exciting. I'm so glad that our friends have been hanging out with us for 50 episodes. I am really happy too. Mm -hmm. It's a delight. Well, yeah. thanks to those friends and everyone for listening to the Big Sky Astrology podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it. And we hope that you will help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts. Leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our recent podathon. And as you know, each week we're going to be thanking one of you by name. April, who do we have this week? This week we want to give a podathon shout out to supporter Katie Serta. Yay, Katie! Katie, we don't know you, but we appreciate you. We thank you so much for listening to our little podcast and supporting our podathon. Actually, one of my oldest friends' name has the last name Serta, but it's spelled with a C hmm. in the beginning, and Katie's is spelled with an S. So it strikes me as a slightly unusual name, not one I've run across a lot. It's yeah. interesting to see it spelled two different ways. We embrace you no matter how you spell your name. We absolutely do. <laughs> we celebrate diversity of spellings. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for listening to our little podcast and supporting us during Potathon. Yeah, absolutely. And if you didn't get a chance to support us during our recent Potathon, of course, contributions are always gratefully accepted at our website, bigskyastropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, we'll invite you to our very special top secret episodes for the equinoxes and solstices. Yes, we just did one for the Libra equinox. Indeed. And you may have to rattle my cage about that, April at BigSkyAstrology.com. But if you donate that $5 or more, we'll send you the top secret link to show you how to listen to that episode. And then we'll have another one coming up, the Capricorn Solstice. Mm -hmm. Well, that is it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Oh,